0: Get ready to jumpstart your scientific career with practical advice on being a successful and contented scientist. Each episode of the Happy Scientist podcast delivers hands-on, actionable steps you can take to ensure you stay happy, focused, and satisfied in the lab. Available on all popular podcast platforms, hit the subscribe button and start your journey towards a more fulfilling scientific career.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Happy Scientist podcast. Today, we are live again on Bite Size Bio. This is the place to be if you want to become a happier, healthier and more productive scientist. I am Nick Oswald, the founder of bitesizebio.com and today we will be drawing again on the immense wisdom of Mr. Kenneth Vogt. Ken is my friend and mentor. He's the Bite Size Bio team's Yoda and he's the founder of the executive coaching company Vera Claritas. Today, and in all other Happy Scientist podcast episodes, you get to benefit from his words of wisdom to help you increase your performance, enjoyment and success in the lab. Today we bring you the second in a three-part live series called Jumpstarting Your Career as a Happy Scientist. And in this instalment we will be discussing something that is very applicable in the lab, the difference between efficiency and optimization. Since this is a live session, we can take your questions and discuss them as part of the show. You can enter those questions using the questions box that should be visible to the left of or below the presentation window. Also, be sure to check out our downloads page where you can find lots of downloadable goodies and that competition again to win a very rare Happy Scientist t-shirt. The downloads page link is right below the questions box. Okay, without further ado, let's bring in the man, the Yoda himself. Ken, how are you doing today? Doing great.
2: I just realized that the happy scientist T-shirt is so rare that I don't even have one. You
1: don't have one. I don't have one either.
2: <laughs> well, today we're going to talk about the difference between efficiency and optimization. And I know at first blush you might look at that and go, "Those are synonyms," <laughs> but they're really not. They're really quite different. And so we're gonna we're gonna dive into what the difference of it is and why one is far more important than than the other and and why you should care about this at all but before we do all that let's go to the next slide and I want to issue a warning <laughs> right from the beginning this is not about how to be a proper control freak <laughs> and we've had an episode on that that topic itself before so i won't go into great great detail on that but you know yeah it was entitled the the siren song of control so you can go back and check that out but the point isn't here here isn't for you to just be in control of every little detail so that things can be efficient or or more optimized that's not it it's in control won't help you be more efficient and won't help you be more optimized so right now even if you're clinging to that give up on it it's not it's it's not what this is going to be about today we're going to talk about how you can get the most out of your activities and out of your labs activities you know, it's not necessarily just about you personally it could be about anything that that you have charge of so there, there's a lot to look at here And a lot of people stop at the point of being efficient and that's an improvement over not being efficient but um well let's go to the next slide this is this is something that's that's been popping up i believe in the stem fields and i i was pondering that from from the standpoint of well, which part of the stem fields are having the worst time of this and i think actually science is having the best time you go to the other end of the spectrum, to mathematics, oh man, I, I remember uh, hearing a term from a, a mathematician friend of mine when he talked about uh, a proof being elegant, and I thought, wow, that's a beautiful word for this, and in math, who thought there'd be anything beautiful, but he was all about it being efficient, what's the shortest number of steps to get from, from your, your hypothesis to your conclusion, that was all that mattered, was how fast could you make it, make it happen? And that's a real limitation. And it's interesting too, and I, now I'll reference what will be a future episode, in the STEM fields of mathematicians, of my very unscientific um, population, I don't know any, any women who are mathematicians. I'm not saying there aren't any, but they are predominantly men. And I know a lot of engineers, that's my background, and they are definitely mostly male. And a lot of tech technologists are mostly male, but scientists seem to be a little different. I actually know quite a few um, female scientists, and I don't know Nick. You probably have a better feel for that than me. I, what what do you think about women versus men in STEM fields?
1: Oh, Goodness, I mean, I don't really have. Certainly, all of the engineers I've ever worked with are men. That there are, you know, but there are quite a lot of women in um, that I've worked with in science. But as regards to Proportion, I would not like to hazard a guess, but not enough, probably.
2: <laughs> well, the, the reason I bring it up is because, you know, there's obviously a, a different approach between the feminine approach and the masculine approach. Mm. Inefficiency tends toward a masculine outlook, and it's, it's got limitations. And that's hard for the, the men of us out there to, to admit that there's limitations in efficiency. And women are going to be more, we're going to more lean toward optimization as we discuss what these things are, but, but this is for everybody. Everybody can do this. So, you know, don't, don't feel like you're typecast. So if we, we start off and we move to the next, next slide, you know, the, the question is, what is efficiency? What exactly are we talking about here? So on the next slide, we will, we will see exactly what it's about. It's about time. It's all about time. It's whether it's clock time or calendar time. It's how fast can you get something done? And if you can do it faster, you're being more efficient. That is the outlook. Um, and okay, getting something done faster is that a bad thing? Well, no, not at all. In fact, it's a it's a very very good outcome in in most cases. Um, but the problem is, um, if we go to the next slide, it, is faster automatically better? Well, and the answer is no, because if it's just faster at the expense of other things that are also important, then that's not so great. Um, it just And if, if we think of some examples like that, we've all had situations where we've had fast food. <laughs> Is fast food the best cuisine you've ever had? Now I realize some of y'all you love your Big Macs and Whoppers, but nobody is looking at that going, "Yeah, that's the best hamburger I've ever had in my life." It's it's just not. <laughs> now it's great that it that that you got it quick, and boy oh boy, in sixty seconds you can go from no hamburger to hamburger. That's that's fantastic, <laughs> but uh, but it is not the full answer if you really care about, I want to eat well, I want to eat healthy, I want to eat food I enjoy. I mean, you can come up with all kinds of other ways that you might want to look at it. So another thing that that is a problem with things being faster is it, it sets us on this path that we mostly don't want to be on. So let's go to the next slide. And that is being busy and now I know we we have people that'll hear this all over the world, but a big part of the audience here is American. And this is this is terribly true in America. We are proud of being busy. We, we, we brag about how busy we are. And and you know that is that is true to a certain extent in, in other areas too, but it's re- it's really an epidemic here in the United States. And if you know somebody says, hey, how are you doing? What is our typical answer? Our typical answer is to tell them how busy we are. Oh, man, I'm slammed. I'm, I'm just, I've got so much going on. Da, da, da. We, we can't wait to tell people how busy we are. And how often have you felt like you had to excuse the fact you weren't busy? Oh, well, you know, I, I, I've i been meaning to ramp up on this other project. Or, well, I just had a little downtime while I'm getting prepared for this. You know, busyness is overrated. It's it's not that great. And all of this, this attitude about busyness has made us focus on efficiency. We've cared about time a whole lot because of this, this attitude of busyness. But uh, if we move on to the, to the next slide, the fact is time is only a single measure. There are lots of measurable things out there that matter things that, that we care about. And you, you don't have to search that hard for that. I, I don't think most of us would say that the only thing that matters is that something is fast. And, and you're involved in operations and procedures in your lab that in many cases are very complicated or, or could be very expensive. And of course, efficiency is gonna matter, but it won't be the only thing that matters. There's, there's always other things that that we could be looking at. So <clears throat> let's move to, to the next slide. The problem with efficiency then is it has blind spots. It misses out on all of these other things that, that might matter in, in whatever your process is, whatever your operation is, whatever whatever it is that you're working on. And, and it'll be up to you to define what those things are. Now. This whole notion of efficiency versus optimization is covered very well in, in an interesting book I read at least 30 years ago, and it's called The Goal. It's by Eliahu uh, Goldratt, The Goal, two words. And it's funny, it was a business book. It was It was about this notion of efficiency versus optimization for a manufacturing company. And what made the book really interesting was it wasn't written like a typical business book. It's a novel. <laughs> it, I mean, an actual novel. It's, it's a story with characters, but it's a business book. Now, I know a lot of you are saying, yeah, that's great. I'm not in business. I'm in the lab. But something that, that uh, we've talked about over and over again in this podcast is that we want to borrow best practices from other industries and, and other areas and this is definitely one of them. You know, manufacturing is not the only place that can make use of optimization. It's also true in finance, and it's certainly true in the lab. Optimization gives you all kinds of new opportunities. So uh, let's hit the next slide. So the point is, what is optimization? Here we are, we've talked about efficiency, and okay, efficiency is about uh, let's call it optimized time. That's great. So uh, for the next slide, then, we'll, we'll look at the idea of what do we want to optimize? You can decide. You can choose what is good, what, what it is that matters to you in a certain setting. Time may well be one of them, and there's nothing wrong with time at, as, as one of your choices. But what are your other options of things you might care about? Let's go to the next slide. So on top of something being faster, you might like your your process, your operation to require less material. Maybe it could use less equipment because equipment is expensive and usage of equipment is expensive. How about less personnel? What if it took less space or required less funding? Or, (laughs) this is an interesting one, what if you needed less managerial approval? Would that make your process a little easier, where you don't have to go get say so from somebody? These are just some ideas of things that might matter to you when it comes to optimization. You could take any process you want and decide. You know what? I'm going to look at this process purely from the standpoint is how can I avoid having to talk to the boss? Awesome. Or how can I use how can I use less expensive equipment? How can I take up less lab space. How can I do this with less money? Whatever it is that matters to you, you have a way of then looking at that. And you'll notice the word less keeps showing up there. Because um, it, it, generally that's what it's talking about. To optimize something means to use less of something. And of course, faster means less time. But um, uh, everything here is, how can I be more, more efficient with something other than time? And that's where optimization comes in. And this list is not is not necessarily everything. You're go- you're going to look at things and see other possibilities. But um, one thing one thing I noticed about that list, Ken, yeah. is that it's
1: uh, uh, it's all uh, business side, if you like, as in it's not personal. And uh, for me, uh, it's quite interesting. This, uh, I didn't know exactly what you were going to say here and you just unpacked a whole lot of stuff that I'd I'd forgotten about that I went through a whole efficiency drive um, myself at one point in the lab and you know it's about a lot of the times during the day in the lab you're managing yourself and Mm so um, most of the time actually when you know when you're doing the actual work it's about managing yourself and your own time and so on and that idea of Efficiency being just about optimizing the time—that that really rings true for me. Where you're um, you're trying to drive more results, if you like, uh, mm-hmm. from from you know within you know per unit of time. One of the big uh, uh, the big costs here in that um, you know not material or equipment or personnel, but a personal cost is stress, and mm-hmm. that then. Reduces your efficiency, so you you max out, That's what I find out. You max out a, a, a level of you know time based uh, efficiency that you can reach, and um, uh, and and then it starts to become uh, you know diminishing returns. So maybe one, maybe another set of uh of measures you could look at here are personal ones. How can I do this with less stress? And how can I get the same results with less stress? How can I get um you know the same results with uh you, you know in more more time for reflection and so on which will then o- improve the overall o- overall result as well that's what i found in you know in my efficiency drive was i didn't leave myself time to just really look at what was happening in the result uh, uh, you know what what my results were telling me and and, and things like that um it was just battling from one experiment to the next without taking proper time to step back and really look at the bigger picture and things like that
2: i like it so move to the next slide and we'll talk about that Mm. in a little more detail the the point here is what are your objectives and I, i like this point of what is the personal uh what are your personal objectives here how do i make this process easier for me and i don't just mean easier like you're being lazy but i mean like if you have a process that's just demanding your constant attention, maybe you need to have a way to have, be able to have some relief for your, your attention at, at, at certain intervals. Maybe you need to have certain things set up in such a way that they don't need your hawk eye on at the whole time. Maybe you need to have your process have less physical steps for you. So that, I mean, literally, you're, you might be wearing yourself out physically, and sometimes it, you might think this is funny. You think, man, I, I practically sit at a desk all day, or I, you know, I sit in a I sit at a bench all day. I don't really, I'm not really working that hard, but you find yourself at the end of the day exhausted and you forget how much physical stuff you actually are doing. Then there's the other side of that is how much how much of you is wore out physically because of the mental exertion? And is there a way that you can reduce the requirement for mental exertion in this process? So you know you can you can decide what kind of objectives you have there there's no there's no uh requirement here you can make it you can make it as optimized as you want in any way you want and you don't have to really explain that to others um other than you know are you getting the result and that was another thing you mentioned there a moment ago lynn or um, nick that your result really matters that that is that is where, that's how you determine what to optimize by, okay, what do I need to optimize so as to get the result I'm after? Whereas efficiency might not get you the results you're after, or at least may not be as strong a factor in it as, as you might might automatically think. That's,
1: that's an interesting point. So you're, you're looking to get, uh, you know, more results per unit time, which is, <laughs> or more meaning, more meaningful results, let's say more insight per unit time you can take it yeah that. or yeah or,
2: or whatever unit you uh, want to I have understand. in fact if we go to the next slide this is this is another important point about this mm-hmm. we're, we're talking about something you can measure you have to decide what's good and find a way to put a number to it and and I hope anybody in the stem field is going to be happy to see numbers <laughs> <laughs> numbers matter. Numbers are the way we we regulate things, how we tell whether something is good or bad or with, whether we're moving forward or moving backward. And you know, so, yeah, we've all had this situation where we've had a feeling about a number. You see a number and you're disappointed. <laughs> or you see a number and you're excited. You know, numbers can numbers can be way more than just, uh, you know, a cold set of arithmetic. They they can, they can generate a feeling, they can generate an emotion. And, and ultimately, when it comes to your, to your, uh, your objectives, you're going to have an emotional feeling about that. You know, we feel good when we accomplish something, and we get to where we're going. And we feel good when we get answers, you know, because I, I realized in science, you, you do have, a, you have the unusual field of of often you you don't get the result you were looking for, but what was important was you got a result. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was the thing you mad, that mattered to you more than anything else. So, uh, you know, this so, is a constant learning curve. So there's a
1: so there's a there's a kind of not, not a limitation, but there's another pressure here. Or, uh, in science, regard you know um, other than what you think is good, you you know you might think um, you know I have to. I would really like to um, do X number of experiments in a week, or I would like to, uh, you know, uh, uncover the answer to this question by, you know, sometime in this quarter or something. But mm-hmm. you have, you, you know, the overall um, pressure in science. The overall measurement is the the whole publish or perish thing. To mm-hmm. get more funding, you need to publish. To get more, to get published, you need to get results that mean something. To get results that meet, need something, you need to get more results, right? And yeah. and then that that uh, that pressure is ingrained into the whole culture of science. So you have um, peers and superiors who are pushing you to uh, get more results. Essentially, uh, you know, to yeah. do more, and then and then you know, culture of business, and obviously it'll vary lab to lab, but that's a general statement of what the stress is, and it's not just in science, it's it's everywhere. But that is, so well, I, I guess some people listening to this will be thinking, what does it matter what I think? What does it matter what I define as, as good? If I'm being pressured from the outside to um, to deliver a metric or to deliver uh, a result essentially, and uh, a paper or whatever, by the end of the year it must be there or not, and so it all has to be a big panic. How? Well, what would you say about people who, who feel that, that, that you know, their measurement doesn't matter? It's what uh, the, the sort of prevailing wind well, is. From it's their it's still their your health.
2: measurement mm-hmm. of what it's going to take to get that result you want, because mm-hmm. that result will make you happy. That mm-hmm. satisfying management, you know, getting the paper published on time, mm-hmm. that's, that is going to be part of what will make you happy. You know, <laughs> so... I mean, I understand that sometimes we wish we could just, you know, I would just like to head down this rabbit hole because I just find that really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. But nobody wants to pay me to do that. It's like, all right, that's fine. Um, you, you're, you are here as a job, though. It's, it's a career. You're going to have to do something to earn your pay. Mm-hmm. And you can get satisfaction from that. And maybe sometimes you get to go down the rabbit hole. Maybe sometimes you don't. And maybe you won't go down those rabbit holes anytime soon. Maybe that's something you'll do after you retire uh, or, or something you'll just decide. Nope. That's just not as important to me as some other things you, you, you got to choose. Now, if, if there's just a burning, burning need, you just have to go there. Well, then you got to really reassess your career. How do I align my career with this kind of focus, mm-hmm. you know, so that I can do that. Cause at the end of the day, often we're looking at this going, man, I'm not allowed to do this. Yeah it's not, you're not allowed to do it in science. You're not allowed to do it at this particular job. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to, you have to weigh how important is it to you versus um, how important is it that you keep this particular position? Hmm. So uh,
1: I guess that uh, this is a fairly hot topic <laughs> and um, uh, for the people who are listening um if you have any views or questions about that please uh, put them into the questions box there and we can deal with them uh, towards the end we will bring bring your uh, views and questions into the discussion uh, towards the
2: end definitely you know my personal background is software engineering and i promise you i have seen so many exciting things that i really wanted to personally develop but i made some choices in my career and those things remain undeveloped by me. And in some cases, other people developed them and I didn't. And some of those people are very wealthy these days. <laughs> you, know? Um, you know, I mean, I can look back at all that with regret, but I don't. Because I, I think about something that uh, Ray Dalio said. He said, you can have anything in life that you want, but you can't have everything. <laughs> and I, I found that to be true you know, yes, you can have anything you want. The problem is you're not willing to give up other things to have it. That's how people hear that and they push it away because, oh, well I can't have anything. You know? mm. Yeah, you can. You can have anything if you're willing to forego other things. You want freedom? Yeah, you're going to have to forego having a family. You want to have, you know, you want to live a thrill-seeker life? Well, then you're going to have to take some risks. You know, there's, there's, there's a price to pay for certain paths, so... You know, it, you just have to decide. So now, assuming you've made your choices here and you've got you figured out what you're going to do, and you do want and you and you see what matters and what you want to be more efficient about, what's the first thing you're going to encounter when you start to implement? Let's we'll hit the next slide. There. You're going to come in and you're going to come upon bottlenecks, and this is this is a normal part of a process. There's going to be things that you're doing various steps, and it wasn't it wasn't hard to get this together, and it wasn't hard to get somebody to do that. And all of a sudden you get to this and it's a problem every time. It's for whatever reason, it takes a long time, or it's expensive, or it requires all these people, or it needs approval, or you know, whatever other measure that you've got there, it's it's hard to meet that measure. Those are the areas that that we'll call bottlenecks. And when, when it comes to a bottleneck, that is where you need to put your focus. You might be looking at, man, I was so concerned about being efficient to, about other things, other parts of this that didn't give enough attention to this. And that's what everything's gotta build around. You gotta, you gotta make bottlenecks your prima donnas. They get all the attention. If this is, if this is the part of the process where things bog down every time, This is the part of the process you want to build everything toward. Is there anything I can do at the steps before this to make this part of the process easier? Is there anything I can do to be better prepared for this part of the process? Is there anything I can do to make it faster, to make it less expensive, to require less resources, whatever? Focus on your bottlenecks and and engineer everything around them. Make sure that that's where uh, you put all of your energy. And it'd be worthwhile because at the end of the day, you're going to see other parts where you feel like, you know, this part's easy and it seems like we're wasting time there. You know, it, it seems like like it's this part's too, you know, it happens too leisurely. And then this other part is this mad struggle. Well, focus on the part that's the mad struggle and don't worry so much about that, those other parts. So if we go to the next slide, this opens up another thing. A question that may pop up into your mind. Um, am, I, am I allowed to not focus on that part that seems all leisurely? Yes, if your focus is on the whole. If you're focused on the whole, and then you see the whole process. You've know, the, the, you know, all heard the phrase of you can't see the forest for the trees. Stop looking at individual trees for a moment at least and look at the whole forest. Make sure you see the whole thing, see the whole process. Does the whole process make sense? Because if you put all your attention into how to make step number three super optimized, you may realize I put all this energy and effort into that. And it really didn't affect the whole that much because it wasn't all that important. So, you know, make sure you take that moment to step back and observe the whole. Now, as you're, as you do that you're going to see different phases of your process look different some of them look frenetic and some of them look very leisurely some of them look demanding and some of them look like they aren't that important and some look simple and some look complex but this way you get to see it now when you see something that's simple or leisurely or doesn't seem to take much you might look down on that. You might think, wow, there's something wrong here. if We hit the next slide. You might see that part of the, of the process and think that I'm losing efficiency there. It's not, it's, it, there's too much idleness going on at this, at this simple step. But you know what? You get to have moments of idleness. In fact, you should, you should have moments of idleness and you need to make use of them. And Nick, you were, you were alluding to this earlier. You need to have contemplation time. You need to have time in the midst of, of doing things where you're not running with your hair on fire. Because that's when you're going to see things. That's when you're when you're going to get new ideas. That's when you're going to have an opportunity to, 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 to act on your hunches and use your intuition. And 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 even notice your intuition. Is that, when when you're super busy and or you're super engaged sometimes it's hard to see that stuff and and so we want you to make use of that that idle time and not look at it like it's a flaw cuz it's not a flaw any process should have some slow spots and should have some some openness in it and and that and if you've got no openness and no slow time you need to look at your process again it's not optimized what what's happening there is you've made it efficient. Well, you've made it efficient at a great cost. You will find out when you start looking at it through the terms of optimization. When you start looking at other measures, you'll realize all I did was make this fast. And that's, that's not going to be a good thing.
1: I think that this is a good point is that, uh, you know, I've written a question down here myself. <laughs> what is the most efficient way to do science? And I don't just mean time-wise. Or what is the optimal way to do science, let's say, yeah. in, the, in the language you're using here? And again, it's, you know, you need to let it ebb and flow. You need to treat your brain as like an athlete would treat their muscles, if you like, mm. you know, they're, you know, if they're a sprinter, they're whatever, you need lots more than your leg muscles to sprint. But you know what I mean? You, they would never work them hard all the time. You have to um, let it come in and out so that you, you don't just get your, you don't just burn yourself out. Um, you also need to, sh- you know, do the old sharpen the saw thing, where you you start, you you don't just go headlong into doing experiment after experiment, or you know be busy all the time. You step back and and look at how you're doing um, the experiments, or look at what you know. Maybe you need to go and do a course on on microscopy and learn how to use the use the microscope better, and that'll get you more efficient. Or you know, it's there's all sorts of different angles, but I, I do think that uh, the, again, at least in my experience, the prevailing wind is get in the lab, spend long hours in the lab ba- you know bashing away. Uh, um, but again, you, you find yourself sometimes doing the um, you know the same thing over and over again. Uh, you know, this experiment didn't work, I'll just try it again, Da-da-da, keep going keep going keep going and try it again and again, but you're getting nowhere if you step back, and figured out where it's going wrong or figured out if there's a different way or figured out whether you need more training or, you know, just to put some specifics on it, then, you know, that's a way to optimize rather than trying to be, just trying to be more time efficient to allow you to jam more experiments into the day.
2: Right. Which, and now it's built the into your way. process to have yeah. that time yep. to actually do that kind of assessment.
1: Exactly. It's really underrated. I, wrote, I think I wrote a bite-sized article about it many years ago but about just sit down and just be don't feel um try not to feel pressured by the whole you need results thing sit down and just allow yourself time to to not do anything in particular because sometimes that is when your your best ideas come but allow yourself you know ask yourself questions like as well like um is there a better way, you know, to do that? Can I research a better technique? Can I get some training, you know? Do I need a rest? Uh, you know, right. stuff like that. Treat yourself with respect. Treat your brain with respect. Um, you treat your uh, your drive with respect. Don't don't burn it all on a mad rush to get a a mythical number of, uh, you know, set of results that you know. Might not be obtainable by the the sheer brute force approach that you're maybe employing. If you're like me, yeah. <laughs> or like I was, we used to have a thing. We used to have, um, or I used to do in the lab, where I, I was so proud that I would use, of the idea that you know this was in the early two thousands when multitasking was the thing, <laughs> and um,
2: get an episode on that too. <laughs> uh, there is yeah,
1: and. Um, I, you know, you get often in protocols, protocols there's like short centrifugation steps. You load your tubes up in the centrifuge, turn it on, wait two minutes or something like that. So I used to have a stack of papers, you know, like scientific papers that I would read while the centrifuge was on. I thought this was a great use of time. It's not because the switching cost is so high of switching from focusing on the experiment to focusing on the paper to switching to focusing back again on the experiment. And, and you'd leave yourself no gaps to just realise what you're doing or, you know, think about other, you know, just let ideas drift in or, or whatever. That is just, it was the worst idea ever. But lots of us in the lab I was in were quite, uh, quite enamoured by the idea of, of, you know, just forcing more, um, more doing into each, um, into each hour that yeah, we, a lot of us got caught up in that thing wasn't fun.
2: <laughs> yeah. You put yourself in the center of huge.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. That's what it felt like after a while. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like what you're hearing? Ready to supercharge your scientific career? Discover practical advice on what it takes to be a successful scientist without sacrificing happiness. Learn the importance of meeting your human needs, identifying and unlocking your charisma factors, discovering your core mindsets, and much more. Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist reference pack and get started on your journey to becoming a happier scientist today. Subscribe now and check the show notes to download. All right,
2: so then let's move to the next slide and we'll take another another approach at this also. We've talked about idleness, but you know, things do have to happen. And so there is a certain amount of throughput that has to happen step by step. So, you know, obviously you got to put your attention there and get to think of it in terms of flow. How do I keep this moving? And in the, that was a perfect example of that centrifuge time would be the perfect idle moment to consider your throughput. <laughs> how do I make this? How do I make things flow a little better in this process? And, you know, you might be doing things that are literally growing. That's 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 a. Uh, a peculiar um, and wonderful part of life science that that a lot of other people in STEM don't get to touch. You know, there's no, there's nothing is growing in in um, software engineering <laughs> other than data. <laughs> but you know, I mean, you're growing plants, you're growing cultures, you're 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 doing things with something that's alive and it's got its it's got its own it's got its own thing going on. And and so if you can. If you can dovetail with that, and you can see parts of your process that are, are using that natural energy, and, and you can engage it, that's just an amazing thing. I mean, I'm, I'm jealous <laughs> of what you all get to do. Uh, and and it's, it's, it's amazing to watch the miracle of it at the same time, too. I mean, I, I go back to just high school science class and watching cells multiply under a microscope, and that just blew my mind and and you do that you know times a thousand every day (laughs) so you know make sure you're paying attention to that it's all part of it's all part of what you're doing and part of it is is the the living thing that you're creating when i I, to to push the analogy a bit you know you're building something here that that is taking on a certain kind of energy because you're putting energy into it and something is going to come out the other side so you know if you if you if you make good use of that power, then you will find you will get more efficient.
1: It's, so, interesting. it's interesting. It comes back to similar, you know, everything comes back to kind of similar fundamentals. A big part of what you're talking about there is just appreciating what you're doing. You know, And that's slowing down slightly. You know, you don't uh, slow down 1%, just enough to let you let some air in so that you can, or let some light in so that you can, you can appreciate what you're doing. You know yeah, that,
2: that was that was a very important point here. I'm not telling you to just shut down everything. This idea, if you can slow down one percent, it can make all the difference.
1: It's a good psychology psychological um, trick in a way. I do that when I'm running. Is like I'm feeling like I'm getting tired. Right, I will slow down one percent, mm. and <laughs> you didn't really slow down. You just felt you just gave yourself the space to, you know, it's almost your mind that slows down rather than anything else. Right. You don't lose anything really by doing a 1%. It's a good little exercise.
2: No, and, um, and of course, all this, it's just like what you're talking about there. You, you're you comparing it to another part of life. Once you've learned something, you've figured out a pattern that that, that works, hmm. you can apply it anywhere, yeah. anywhere in your life. and And by the way, things you've learned in other parts of your life, by all means, bring them into your career. Bring them into your work in the lab. And you know, that's why I've also talked about how if we see things in other industries and, and other areas of knowledge, bring them in if you can. If, there's, if you find that something's applicable across the board, or at least can cross over into your area, use it. You know, th- There's a bunch of great ideas that have already not only been thought of, but have been implemented in the world. Well, why should we have to reinvent the wheel all the time? We don't. We can bring them to bear now. So um, if we go to the the next slide, the whole point of all this (laughs) has been an optimized scientist is a happy scientist. The point of getting optimized is it's going to make you happier as a scientist. You're going to be better at your job when you're happier. You're going to have a more fulfilling career. The rest of your life is going to be is going to go better. Everything will flow better. It's, it's this, see what this is becoming optimized is an optimizing step. <laughs> you, you, you get optimized by optimizing. So it's, it's a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. So get yourself engaged in it. Ah uh, yes. Another, another woman <laughs> on our screen who's in science and engaged and happy. And we want we, we want to see we want to see all the women in science happy we want to see all the men in science happy let's all be happy with what we're doing here it's it's a wonderful field and there's a lot of opportunity and uh you can have a great life thanks to science so that about wraps it up for me nick unless you want to add something
1: yeah i so well first of all now's the time to put your questions in if you have any or comments on this um I just jotted down this wheel thing of what does optimised science look like? <laughs> well, what does an optimised scientist look like? Um, and, you know, the, the, the points on the wheel are, uh, if you're getting things, you know, are you getting things done? Are you resting? Are you contemplating? You know, giving yourself time to contemplate? Are you giving yourself time to train? Are you giving yourself time to read? are you getting your, are you managing to get published right. and so too often we focus on the getting things done and you are know, publishing via getting things done and it's only one part of the you know so you're to one you're off to one side of that wheel if you like and you're not attending to the rest and that sort of map might be a good way to help yourself get back to center I'll, I'll, um, i think we'll put it in, a da- in a in a graphic it might Hmm. It'll be a way for you to help you to get yourself back to center. Am I giving myself enough rest time? No. Okay. Well, that's that. I'm off too far off to one side. Off to one side. So I need to sacrifice some getting things done time for a bit of rest. Am I doing enough reading? No. I need to sacrifice. Or if you're doing, maybe you're resting too much and you're not doing getting get you know getting things done time. Getting put enough getting things done time. That won't make you happy either because you won't get the result you want. But I, I can see that being a kind of, um, kind of like a, a uh, just like a map that you could use to um, to figure out where you are and, and what you need to be doing more of. Uh, right. It's not exhaustive, but <laughs> obviously.
2: And, and if you need some inspiration for that, I can definitely recommend that book I mentioned earlier, The Goal. It, mm. it, it, it'll give you some ideas. You see somebody who had to actually do this in a real working environment mm-hmm. and yet had a life going on at the same time. And he did make some trade-offs like that. He, he had to make some choices and, and he was surprised at some of the places where the choices showed up. So again, you know, check it out yourself. It, it, it's a good, it's a good little uh, side read for somebody. It's not a hard read. It's it'll also satisfy a certain amount of desire for some light reading because it's because it's a, you know in a novel kind of form so you know it's a lot easier than reading some of the papers you guys have to read
1: <laughs> yeah i think um that we, what we'll do is we'll put that uh that that one in the the show notes for this mm-hmm. episode um which you can find along with all the other episodes at bitesizebio.com forward slash The Happy Scientist, we were trying to figure out what episode number this is, but Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) uh, you can find, uh, you can find it, um, it, you know, look for the title of uh, Efficiency Versus Optimization and it's in there. So uh, I have a couple of questions uh, to put to you here. (coughs) So, okay, so busyness, busyness is expected in my lab. Mm -hmm. How do I overcome that?
2: Well, so here's the thing. Are they, is it busyness for the sake of just looking good, looking like you're active or do do people actually care whether or not you're doing something worthwhile? Um, If, if people, if people are just looking for that kind of, um, you know, Lord of the flies, social pressure kind of thing, I, I would actually argue that don't give in to that. that you, you, you want to do things that, that are worthwhile and that matter. Now, there are times you should be busy there's, when there's, there are important things to get done and you want to stay active, and that's fine. But focus, focus more on are you working toward your optimized goals? And if it's not serving your optimized goal, don't waste your time on it. Don't waste your energy on it. And if somebody, somebody were to, uh, to challenge you on that, point that out. It's like, look, where I'm at a stage right now where I got a, I've got a moment that I can focus on, you know, on, on the bigger picture and I'm doing it. And yeah, so it doesn't look as active. But in other moments when you're being active, go ahead, broadcast that you're being active.
1: It's amazing some of the cultures you come across and not just in science, but in all sorts of jobs and things and what people think, uh, what people think will get them the results they, they want <laughs> mm-hmm. and i came across one was don't read anything you know you're in my lab you're, you don't read anything unless it's a scientific paper like that that literally meant don't read books don't don't waste time reading books don't waste time reading the news don't waste time on anything except scientific papers and even as a even as a kind of well, not much more than a teenager at that point, it, it, that struck me as, well, that's just going to create a very one dimensional mind in a way that, you, you know, if you, you know, just switching off and reading something else, sci-fi or watching some nonsense will you know, on TV or, or whatever, sometimes that just allows you the space to, to think, but yeah. And long well, hours.
2: When you're it, up against somebody who is efficient and, and not optimized especially if they're your boss. I mean, the, I realize you may have to have a little longer conversation with a person like that and point out that, look, I want to make sure I get to our end goal and I know myself. And I know that if I just go a mile a minute without a break, I won't get it done. I will crack. This is how I keep myself able to keep producing. you know. And, and if you get to the point where you just can't get that message across to somebody, you may need to find another boss.
1: Hmm. Okay. Well, what about if the problem is yourself? So we have a question in here. (laughs) Uh, As a woman with an engineering degree who now works in science, it took me a while to set boundaries. Because I could work through lunch and stay a little late to cross more things off my to-do list, I started to burn out. I get your point about using idle time to contemplate the big picture, but it's really hard to resist the desire to squeeze a few more things into each day. Any suggestions?
2: Yes, well, first off, I want to applaud the fact that you were female with an engineering degree. Power to you, lady. <laughs> and I, 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 I think we really need more feminine energy in engineering. I really do. Um, but that aside, here's, here's one of the things I'm hearing from this. Not everybody gets the same kind of juice from crossing something off a to-do list of some, uh, some other folks. For some folks, it's the highest high there is to be able to cross something off a list. Mm. And so they're constantly looking for that. The problem that'll happen there is you get focused on things that you can cross off a list rather than things that are important. And at the end of the day, you just, you got to take a breath and go, is this really important? Yes, I scratched off the list something. Should I feel good about that? or was it really not that valuable? Did it stand in the way of me getting something more important done? Did I, did I spend all of my time scratching things off the list and not do the thing that mattered the most to me? So one of the things you can start with on that is to, you know, every day, even, you know, I'm not, I'm not against having lists, that's, that's, it's a useful tool, but every day you look at that list and you look at what's the thing in there I least wanna do. Okay, all right, I'm gonna do that first. And now maybe you can't do it first. Well, the thing I at least want to do is go to that doctor's appointment. Well, it's scheduled at 2 o'clock. You can't go any earlier than that. But, you know, you make sure that nothing will get in the way of that. And and when that moment comes, it is absolutely the most important thing. You got to assess things as to their importance and put them in that priority. And stop giving yourself such a pat on the back for accomplishing something that wasn't important. So you know we, we have two kinds of two kinds of ways to look at things a task you know we can look at it from the standpoint is it important versus not important and is it urgent versus not urgent and we are almost always compelled to do the things that are urgent and not important and and that's the the quadrant that's that's the least valuable the things that are that are generating urgency and are not important how dare they why are we allowing that <laughs> whereas what you want to be doing first in your life are the things that are important, but not urgent, because there's no driving urgency to make you do it, but the importance is the thing that matters. So, you know, first do the things that are important, but not urgent. Then do the things that are important and urgent. Then do the things that are, are urgent, but not important if you must. And by golly, if you have things on your list that are not urgent and not important, why are they on your list? You're just using it so you can have the thrill of crossing something off your list. Get those off your list. They they don't count. <laughs> so,
1: uh, uh, what was the first quadrant there? The, the highest priority quadrant
2: would be was, would be important but not urgent.
1: Important but not urgent, right? So, say say that you um, only had, uh, you know, uh, this person's list only had important but urgent and important but not urgent things on the list right mm-hmm. uh, and, it, and it wasn't a problem of doing filling up the day with tasks um uh, with completing tasks for the sake of completing tasks in that instance you know the, the the fact that she's said that she did was doing is you know was tempted to do so much that she was burning out mm-hmm. then you know that's you know but, well, it there's another way not to,
2: important to have some downtime
1: well that's the thing you, you put you, that on your you, list yeah the only <laughs> thing to re, the thing to realize is that you you know you're burning you know it's like going into your overdraft there's no there's no point because you will pay for it the next day and so it's go, but you, I guess you say you're setting boundaries so maybe you're starting to realize that that yourself but it's that whole thing of okay I'm getting things done but am i resting enough no all right I need to move myself somewhat towards more rest and a bit less getting done. It's, it's, it's Otherwise, so like
2: a, a for instance, might be, mm. I'm going to set 45 minutes for lunch. I'm not going to violate that. All I'm going to do is have lunch during that 45 minutes. And you put it on your calendar. And so what you're doing is you recognize this is important, but it's not urgent. Because, you know, if you don't take 45 minutes for lunch today, the world won't end. But it's important. So you do it and you, and you make sure that if you didn't do it that way if you if you tried to multitask during your lunch and all that you don't get to cross that off your list you didn't do it you did not take time for lunch so it doesn't count so don't give yourself the the pat on the back that you accomplished it because you didn't
1: it's all about that kind of as well that you know that drive is really important but the drive can can be your own worst enemy in a way if you know if it's too if it's too intense or if it's not if it's not fettered in any way, you know.
2: um, There's another part about that too, is that you weren't born that way. You developed that ability to have drive. And of course you've got a lot, you gained a lot from that. It was valuable. It was useful, but understand that that wasn't the end. There's still more growth available to you from here. Now learn how to use that drive in in a controlled fashion, and not have it control you.
1: Yeah. How can you optimize to get, similar levels of output with more rest and recuperation time, for example, right. one kind of focus. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here's another question. So do you mean, and this means you can, <laughs> <laughs> do you mean I need to get faster or better at doing experiments and that's that's all? Uh, okay. So that I guess we've talked about that. Is, it's not just about well, the whole point of this is it's not about just getting faster
2: yeah i'll was, let you answer my point was don't <laughs> only be fast <laughs> right
1: or well or, or better so and one way to do it is would be to get better at doing your experiments. so that would be allowing yourself time for training optimization of protocols for example um you know looking for other alternatives looking for different tools you know different commercially available tools or or non-commercially available tools um to so that you yeah again that whole sharpen the saw thing who was that was that abraham lincoln if yes. i had um, yeah time to i have to chop a tree i'd spend half the time dropping down the uh, sharpening the axe first or whatever yeah. that concept okay two more questions unless any more come in um i guess we've covered this in a way but uh what about multitasking good or bad I guess you can direct them to the episode.
2: <laughs> right, yeah, we did a whole episode on multitasking. I, I would encourage you to listen to it because it wasn't just my opinion. We're talking about a Stanford study, a really well done study, and they just utterly slayed multitasking. It is bad every possible way you can measure it. Now I'm saying that right now without backing it up because I'd like you to go back and, and hear the backup to it. But trust me, multitasking is not the way and believe me i had to be taught that i loved to multitask yeah. and i i've felt so much better since i finally realized it wasn't working
1: yeah me too actually that was part of the the the, the early 2000s had a lot to answer for with that
2: <laughs> multitasking great thing to do
1: okay uh, one more
2: thing that, that mm-hmm. came out of some of these questions mm-hmm. i realized for some of you folks out there you're already operating it, you know, ninety-eight percent, ninety-nine percent. You're really, really good at what you do. So yeah, you're probably not gonna get massively better with the next next little little trick, the next little tip here. But that's not the point now. At the point, at the high level you're at now, the incremental gains are highly valuable because you're already doing so much that a little bit more of you is really good for the world.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna just cast a prediction out that for most people listening to this the way to go is is doing a doing a bit less and recuperating and thinking around what they're doing a bit more and pro- possibly training a bit more um that that would be my my straw poll of myself and all the people that i know <laughs> inside. yeah i, I think
0: <laughs> make
2: a case for that
1: yeah okay one more which is quite a nice one to end on what about enjoyment as a measurement?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I come to think about the, um, the country of Tibet and they're having a gross national happiness measure, mm. <laughs> which I just think is fantastic. And yes, absolutely, enjoyment should matter. And but, and I realize mm-hmm. for some of you out there, that's a, that's really hard. And some of you feel like you don't deserve it. And some of you feel like it's not important enough you know, it's, I I have things to get done. There's, there's critical things going on in the world that I, that I have to address. That doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. You can, you can enjoy curing cancer. You can, you know, so, and by the way, if you can, please do. So how how about people who
1: think that if you enjoy something, it it sort of by definition means if you focus on enjoying it, it, by definition means you won't get the job done.
2: Does that make uh, sense? I would <laughs> just point back to the evidence. Is like, can can you can you show me the data on that? Because I think that's baloney.
1: <laughs> I think I think a lot of people think that intuitively is not the right word because it's, uh, it's yeah, a received it's, wisdom. It's
2: not, it's not accurate.
1: Yeah, I mean the thing is, you can enjoy you no, know, you, you you know uh, you can enjoy pipetting in, in uh, ninety six well tube uh, plate rather um, you know boring if you look at it like that, but. And one way, if you look at it, it's boring. Another way, you can just relax and enjoy, Right, you know, anything. You can you know, enjoy doing things, the dishes, whatever. <laughs> it isn't about
2: how you feel about it. It's the story you're telling about it.
1: Well, that's true. Yeah. You're telling
2: the story that it's boring. You're telling the story that you hate doing it. Stop telling the story. Just, just you'll you'll find that you'll enjoy your life more that way.
1: Yeah, and I think that whole um, slow down 1% or slightly more if you feel like you can think that helps because you just stops the kind of, I don't know. I don't know what that is, but it's a, you know, that sort of driving almost like a panic feeling that you, that gets in when you feel like I don't like doing this, you know? And yeah, yeah if you take a step back and just slow down, then,
2: yeah, exactly.
1: um, well, you can certainly practice doing that. I think it takes some practice to get there.
2: Yeah. And we're not uh, saying that you shouldn't, there shouldn't be some pressure in your world. There should be, you're, you're, you know, You're expected to get things accomplished, but whether or not you're stressed about that pressure, that's a different thing. That's something you have a choice about. Don't, don't give in to stress, you know, recognize pressure when it's there. If it's too much pressure, do something about it. But if it's not, then, you know, realize that you, you get real satisfaction from working hard and from, and from doing hard things. It's, it's of great value.
1: Fantastic. This is a very interesting interesting angle on things. Um, so thank you again, Ken, for another great episode there. I think you. I'll take that's a, a lot for people to chew on. Um, again, you can find this episode, the show notes, and all of the other episodes at com forward slash the happy scientist, all one word. And in there, again, you probably, if you've listened to us before, we always talk about this. Watch episodes one to nine. Um, there's some might have to listen to them a couple of times because they're quite heavy, but they um, they really give you some foundational principles that I think will I would highly recommend uh, to you if uh, whatever stage of your career you're at.
2: I wouldn't at. describe them as heavy. I would describe them as meaty.
1: Uh, okay, you always say that to me. They, right, are, that's they
2: are they <laughs> are ripe with value.
1: <laughs> they are ripe with value, and they're worth they're worth um, really digging into. Um. And then you can also find us at facebook.com forward slash The Happy Scientist Club, all one word. And there you can drop us a line, uh, drop us your questions or or whatever you want to do. Invite your friends, invite your neighbours, all that sort of stuff. Um, That just uh, leaves me again to say thanks to you, Ken. Uh, Thanks for everyone for joining us. And we'll see you in the next episode, which is next week.
2: Okay, bye.
0: Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode and want to keep learning practical tips on being a happy and successful scientist, don't wait any longer. Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist reference pack today. And together, let's reignite that passion for science that first got you into the lab. Remember, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. So hit that subscribe button now and check the show notes to download.